Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you for joining us for the conclusion of our series, Outcast. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at God's very own heart and understanding what's most important to him. And so in the first week, Trent did an amazing job of showing us that no matter who you are, God invites you to be a part of his family. And then um, what we learned during that as well is when we checked out Jesus's followers, uh, we learned a lot about who Jesus is. And so when we looked at his disciples, the 12 guys who were following Christ, we learned that they were a bunch of misfits, that they were these outcasts, and everyone had looked over them except for Jesus. And so we were able to identify with their stories because our stories are similar where we are a bunch of mischiefs or we are a bunch of outcasts is what we've learned as well throughout our lives. And so despite being these outcasts, God continues to be an inclusive God because he wants everyone to know that he loves them. And then last week, um, Evan did a great job of showing us that when we mess up, that we often put these walls between ourselves and God. And we allow guilt uh, to kind of rule all over our lives. And we allow guilt to make us feel like outcasts. But yet God charges in and he wants us to know that he continues to pursue us even though we feel like that at times. And so God is continuing to reach out to us because we are so valuable to him. And so Evan did an amazing job of showing us that When we turn back to God, uh, when we turn back to him, our stories are not finished. Instead, uh, God has more for us. He doesn't want to allow our guilt to control our futures. And so at some point in life, we've all at some level have felt like outcasts. We've all been at the point in our lives um, where we have had someone make us feel like we're different or that we're unwanted or that we don't belong uh, in a certain group. And at some point, we get to a point where we feel rejected for who we are. And yet, in that point, we are so easily um, wanting to tune out because we feel like an outcast because there's a desire within us to want to be included. And it's so strong within us. Everyone wants to be in. And so uh, sometimes we go to such elaborate uh, lengths to be included. And I, you, know, you know that Trent loves like Braveheart the movie, right? Yeah, I mean, he dresses up like that at times. Um, In fact, you may not know this, but Trent actually tried out for the part of William Wallace. Look look at this. Yeah, we've got that picture of him trying out for William Wallace. So, yeah, there he is, with hair, okay? You may have never seen that before. Um, But he still wears that around the office from time to time because he wants to be included. Um, And then there's Evan, and I don't know if you know this, but he's actually bald. He wears a wig. Uh, So check this out, yeah. And so just give him a little tug on his hair to test it out the next time you see him. Uh, But there is a strong desire for us to be included. In fact, it's so strong uh, that we all want to belong to something. We all want to be included. And at times we just want to get into the club. Now, growing up when I was a kid, I wanted to be involved with like the cool kids. How many of you want to be like one of the cool kids, right? Yeah. And if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. You know, we all wanted to be one of the cool kids. And so we kind of checked them out. I checked out their language, what they were saying. I checked out the stories that they were telling. So I started telling the stories and all of a sudden I found myself in and it was amazing. And I was so proud of myself and I was like accepted into this group. 
Now, we've all done that in some kind of form or fashion, you know? We've all wanted to be a part of a certain uh, group of friends. Maybe there's a circle of friends, and we kind of checked them out. We looked at their language that they were using. We decoded the way that they uh, interacted with each other. And then we did our attempt. And here's what happened. One of two things. Either when we went to approach that circle of friends and we started to do what they did, they like rejected us and literally the circle like closed off to us or we found that that circle opened up to us and we were a part of the group and we knew we were in in that moment. Or for some of us, maybe we wanted to get into a certain school. And so we worked really hard. We made the right grades. Like we saved up enough money. One of our friends wanted to go to the same school. And so the day that the letter came, we were excited. We opened up that letter and we're in. And so we were thrilled. And we were so thrilled that we got in, but we were also wanting to know about our friends. So we went running and found out, hey, did you get in? Yeah, I got in. And so we were both excited in those moments that we were in. Or for some of us, maybe we dreamed about getting into a dream job. And so we put in a lot of work to get the experience or maybe to get the right credentials. We talked to so-and-so or uh, who knew so-and-so because we needed that connection to get in. So finally, we got an interview, and it went really long, and we weren't sure if we made it or not, and then they called us up, and we were in, and we were ecstatic. Now, here's the thing that is common to all of us, okay? When we try to get into these groups, uh, whether it's a school, whether it's a certain group of friends, or whether it's a profession, or whether it's a certain social status or something, when we get in, we, it feels good to get in. Now, here's the downside of that. Once we get in, we start to become part of the problem. We start becoming exclusive. And we tend to forget all those people who are trying to get in behind us. Because we know how hard it is to get in. We've done the work. But we often forget once that we're in that there's other people who are trying to get in. And that's the downside with all groups. All groups tend to drift to becoming exclusive. And that's the problem with groups. And unfortunately, it's the problem with the church as well. So at times, when a church gets going, there is a tendency to start to drift to becoming exclusive. Now, it doesn't start out that way, but it ends up going that way. And the reason that it starts drifting towards becoming exclusive is because the church begins to cater to those who are on the inside. And when it caters to those who are on the inside, it becomes more exclusive. Now, that's a major problem. It's a major problem because we have an inclusive God, and he wants everyone to be able to come. Now, again, it doesn't start that way like on purpose, but often it starts to drift that way because that's what happens with all groups. They become exclusive. So today, we're going to look at a really important subject that God wants us to know about because he doesn't want us to become exclusive. And so today, we're going to check out this passage of scripture to see how much he fights for us to not become exclusive. And instead, we're going to see this role that he wants us to play and how he wants us to be inclusive just like he is. So today, we're going to turn to a passage. It's in Luke chapter 14, verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to jump up and get one of the Bibles in the back. If you've got a smartphone device, feel free to turn to that. But go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 15. I'll give you a moment to do that. All right. As you're turning there, let me uh, set the scene for us, okay? So we're jumping into a point where Jesus 
is gaining a lot of momentum in the ways that he's teaching about God and also um, doing a bunch of miracles. And so he's gaining in popularity. At the same time, there's the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day. And at this point, they are duking it out with Jesus because they're losing traction and he is gaining momentum at this point and they couldn't stand it. So they were trying to discredit him Anytime they got a chance to try to discredit him, they wanted to make him look like a fake teacher. They wanted him to expose himself in terms of like being this fake or something. So they were trying to do anything and everything that they could. So it was like on. I mean, it was like a big time fight at this point between the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day and Jesus. And so they were watching him every time they went. And one of these top religious leaders at one point invites Jesus to dinner after he was teaching. And so Jesus' disciples were probably like, hey, don't go, Jesus. You know, this is a setup. You're ahead in the points. You know, you're ahead in the match. They can't take the title away from you. Don't go. Don't go to this dinner. And, but Jesus doesn't that, do that. He doesn't back down. So he charges in, and the Pharisees, sure enough, try to unload on him. So that's what's happening. And let's pick up in the, this kind of like final boxing match round or this UFC uh, octagon match, you know, whatever your choice of flavor is. So verse 15, hearing this, a man sitting at the dinner table with Jesus and tons of other religious leaders and guests in the room as well, exclaimed or kind of yelled across from the other side of the room, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now, at first glance to us, that doesn't seem much, but this is a major shot at Jesus. Now, we're kind of coming into the tail end of this fight, but at the beginning, the Pharisees are like throwing shots at Jesus. And so uh, this guy at that point, you know, Jesus isn't backing down. And this guy has been seeing that as much as the Pharisees pressed in, he presses back. And so this young buck kind of shouts this thing out uh, at Jesus, trying to go in for like the uppercut to knock out Jesus uh, with this statement. And everyone in this uh, room knows what he is implying. And this is what he's implying with this statement. He's saying, hey, you know what, Jesus, myself and everybody else in the room one day, uh, we're going to be in heaven because we're in with God. And so that's what he's saying. But what he's also alluding to is that, hey, one day after we die and we're in heaven with God, uh, Jesus, you're not going to be there. And so that's what he's trying to say. And so this whole room just fell silent because they knew exactly what he was trying to imply. And this is uh, when we know that this stuff isn't made up, okay? Like if we had written the story at that point and this young buck says this, like we would have said, and Jesus like leapt across the room and put him in a chokehold until he tapped out or something. Or Trent would say, and Jesus drew his sword, you know, and uh, hacked off. Oh, okay, sorry, that was a little gory. But you know, I mean, that's what we would write in the story. But how does Jesus respond? He responds the way he always responds. He responds with a story, stories that always had a major point. And in these stories, there was always a person who represented God the Father. And there was usually a person who represented the Pharisees, which they could not stand. And there was usually a person who represented Jesus himself. And so these stories were game changers. And the Pharisees knew when these stories came up, it was like over. So let's see where Jesus is gonna go with this story, especially in response to this major uppercut, okay? Verse 16, Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Now in that day, 
when someone was going to throw a great feast like that, they sent out an initial invitation to everyone. Um, and the only person that Jesus would know who could throw a meal like this was probably, you know, God the Father. And in this story, he's making it clear that he is the servant in this. Now, back then, when you went to throw a meal, like you couldn't go to Target. Uh, that's French for Target, okay? Um, you couldn't go that day to get like little lamb chops, you know? Um, you had to go out to your herd and look at the little lammies. If you didn't know that, that's where lamb chops come from. And you had to count them up um, because you had to go to Herd Mart if you didn't have enough, you know, with the long lines. And that was too busy at that point. And so um, back then, you need to know how many people were coming to this great feast. And often it was followed up on the day of that great feast with a second invitation, which pretty much said, hey, come, the meal is hot and ready. Come on over. And so that doesn't seem strange at first, but Jesus continues with this story and kind of gets interesting for his hearers and to us. Listen to this, verse 18. But they, all the guests who were invited to this big meal, all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious. Now let's pause there, okay? Because the people listening to this story at this point would have started to lean in and, and kind of wonder where Jesus is going with this story. Because to them, they all knew if you had accepted the first invitation, like you were committed, you were going, all right? And when that second invitation come, you had better go. Because back then, if you rejected that second invitation, that was like a big no-no. People went to war over those things. It was a major insult to do that the day of a great feast. And so everyone's listening to this story. They know that, hey, if you have an excuse, you better be on your, like, your deathbed at that point. And so these guys in the story, these three guys, they had pretty much like lame excuses. Like who buys a field without first inspecting it? Like who, buy, or who tries out oxen when they can be tried out at any time? And who accepts an invitation to a great feast when they know that they will be just newly married at that point. Like that didn't sneak up on them in those days. And so everyone would have known at that point that if they were listening to Jesus' story, that there's a double meaning going on here, and especially the religious leaders. They would have known that Jesus is implying that these three guys who turned down the second invitation represent, were uh, representing themselves, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And so this would have gotten their attention. And the reason this would have gotten their attention is the Pharisees, they were all about their religious systems and their rules and regulations. They thought they were in. And they thought they were the ones who determined who were in and who was out. And so if there's a part for them to play, it would have been the messenger or the servant. And so when Jesus is obviously not including them as the messenger or the servant of God, and it's kind of referring to himself as the messenger and servant of God, like they would have been ticked because they were the ones in that day and that culture that said who was in and who was out. They were the ones who extended the invitation. And obviously they were in and obviously Jesus was out. Now, here's what happens. That's what happens when we become exclusive sometimes. 
When we begin to build our own little systems of rules and regulations, we start caring more about ourselves rather than God who invited us in the first place. And sometimes that happens in church as well. Sometimes we start going to a church and we like the way things are set up and yet we don't want them to change and we ignore the fact that it may need to change because there's more people who are coming and it was originally designed for that. Or sometimes... Um, the church, we get more consumed with the way that we are perceived within the system rather than serving someone else. And so there's a tendency, there's a tendency to drift to becoming exclusive. Or sometimes in the church, we get so focused on our own deal that we don't listen to God who's trying to tell us to do something different, but we're so pegged in with trying to do it our way. And that's the danger of all groups. There's a danger for us to drift to becoming exclusive. It's in all of us. And that's what Jesus is trying to confront the Pharisees with because they had become exclusive. So let's see how he continues to handle this. Like if the point wasn't clear enough, he's about to make this major point even more clear. So verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, if we were a part of that crowd at that moment, like we would have choked on our feud. Like, what? (coughs) What did he just say? You know, this was unheard of. When somebody threw a great feast like this, they usually invited a social class that was just beneath their social status. in in an effort to receive honor back from their guests or maybe even an invite to one of their meals where they're like now the top honor, uh, the top guest there. And so they were trying to do it for their own means. And so to invite people who could never repay you, that was unheard of. And to the religious leaders, they could not believe this. They would have not stood for this because Jesus or God the Father in the story is saying, hey, invite the poor, um, the blind, the lame, um, those who are crippled. Those people to them were those who did not have a right standing with God. They weren't in. They were out according to the Pharisees' religious system. And so for, this to, uh, for Jesus to say these things, they were appalled at it, you know? And this is the dramatic statement that Jesus is trying to make with the Pharisees, and he's trying to make it to us. Because there's this belief that following the rules gets you a right standing with God, or following the rules gets you in, into heaven. And what really gets you a right standing with God? It's when God gives us an invitation. He gives everyone an invitation, and all we have to do is receive the invitation. We don't have to pay him back because he paid the price. And this invitation is given through Jesus. Jesus came and paid the price for us. That's why his death is so important. And so on Jesus' behalf, on his payment, for our sin, he includes everyone to be able to come. That's how much God loves us. God is so inclusive and he pursues us because his desire is that we would all come and the Pharisees got it wrong. So let's kind of see this final like blow that uh, is about to happen in this story in this match that we're about to finish up. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, 
he reported. There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now talk about being inclusive. You know, Jesus shares the same heart with God and he says, urge anyone you find to come. So God doesn't put any stipulations on who can come. He wants anyone and everyone to be in a relationship with him. And if you're looking for a place to belong, there's a place for you to belong. Some of you came in saying, hey, can I belong here? And God wants you to know that you can. You may have some friends and family members who are asking the same question. And here's the solution. God, or Jesus, is not exclusive. His desire is for all of us to come. Now, a lot of us know that. A lot of us have responded to God's invitation to come. You know, many of us were out and now we're in. And what do we do when we're in? How do we continue to make sure that we don't drift to becoming exclusive? And here's the solution to uh, help us stop becoming exclusive. It's to look at what Jesus did. It's to remember that Jesus wants everyone to come. He came for the outcast. He came for the blind. He came for the lame. He came for those who are hurting. He came for those who are wounded. He came for the rebels. He came for the mischiefs. He came for you. He came for me. Jesus went toe-to-toe with the Pharisees on a regular basis throughout his entire ministry to show us God's great love for us. A love that does not uh, exclude anyone. A love that does not force us into some kind of system, but a love that gives us an invitation and all we have to do is accept the invitation. That's how much he loves us. God is not exclusive. And so if we know that, if we know that he's not exclusive, then what should we be doing with that? What difference should we be making right now? And that's the entire point of this story. So what would God have us to do? Here's what God would have us to do. God is asking us to be the messengers on his behalf, just like Jesus was the messenger in the story. We all know people who are hurting. We all know people who think that the church is exclusive. We all know um, a coworker who's never seen the love of God displayed in front of them. We all know uh, a friend who maybe was rejected by the church. We all know maybe a family member who's going through a tough situation right now. Maybe they're fighting cancer. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Or we know uh, maybe a neighbor who's just moved here and is trying to reset up life for themselves. And they need to hear. They need to hear about that there is a place for them. And so God asks us, will we be the messengers And if we accept that, will we extend the invitation like he does to us for everyone to be able to come? Now, here's um, a way that you can do that, okay? Because I know it's hard, and my wife was actually telling me about this, and I thought, man, that is great. Um, I've never heard that. It's the best way to remember how on a regular basis we can invite people to come on a regular basis that we know, our coworkers, our friends, our family members, those that we know. And here's the handles that she uh, told me about. So there's these three handles. 
And if a person that we're having a conversation with meets one of these handles, one of these three knots, um, then we invite them to church. And we're going to put them up on the screen right now. So if you run into a person who is not in church, or things are not going well, or they are not prepared for the transitions in life, then they are uh, at a point where we need to invite them to our church. And so if someone's not going to church, um, maybe the person hasn't been in a long time, maybe they think that they can't come back for some reason, or maybe you're talking to a person and you find out that they're looking for a church, we should say, really? Well, you should uh, come to my church this Sunday. And that's what we should say to them and interject that. Or if a person, uh, we know something's not going well in their life, maybe it's a coworker who's fighting cancer or some kind of disease, or maybe they're going through a tough transition with a divorce or something, we should say, hey, you should come to my church this Sunday. Or maybe a person, you know, they're not prepared uh, in life, or maybe they uh, are about to lose their house, or maybe they're about to have a child and they just don't know what to do. Um, We should say, hey, this week you should come to my church. And so my wife was telling me about these handles, which I just thought, man, those are great little handles because I know it's hard to invite people to church at times and get into the conversation and everything. And so she was telling me how she used it this past week. And so she met somebody who she didn't know. And this lady was telling her uh, that she just moved from Ohio. And so Sarah said, hey, you should come to my church this week. And it just opened up the conversation. They had an amazing conversation. Well, as she's telling me this story, my five-year-old and my three-year-old start repeating, hey, really, you should come to my church this Sunday. And they just go over and over. And they had been practicing that. And I thought, man, that is awesome, you know? And so I said, hey, I'm going to use that this week because uh, the messages are already pointing in that direction. And I think that would be a great handle for all of us to remember and so I promised my kids that we would do this, all right? And I can't like break my promise to my five-year-old and three-year-old, you know that. And so what I want us to do is to make this memorable for us this week, okay? So in a second, we are going to say this out loud and I want like epic kids to hear this from us, okay? So we're gonna put the phrase up on the screen. Really, you should come to my church and on the count of three, I want you to just say it wholeheartedly and I want you to beat first service, okay? They're kind of weak, don't tell them I said that, but I want us to beat first service, all right? So So one, two, three, really, you should come to my church this Sunday. Okay, that was okay. All right, let's try that one more time, all right? So one, two, three, really, you should come to my church this Sunday. Okay, that was good. That was it. Yeah, get fired up, all right? But that's what we should be doing on a regular basis because God went to great lengths to go toe-to-toe with the religious leaders of the day to show us that he wants everyone to come. And so would you be that messenger? Would you be the messenger that God wants us to be? And would you invite somebody this week to Easter? I can't think of a better time where more people are open to coming to church and show them that they can be included here. And so let's pray about the people that you know, your friends, your family members, and everything. And I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. And during that prayer, and during the song that we're going to sing, which is just going to encourage us to do this this week, would you start to pray right now for those that you know who need to hear about God? And so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, we are just amazed with the things that you have done to show us that your heart 
is so inclusive. There are so many times that we mess things up by making them exclusive, but God, you've gone to such a great length to show us your very heart. Thank you, Jesus, so much for coming and battling it out with the Pharisees on a regular basis to show that their system was wrong and to show us your true heart. And so, God, we can't thank you enough. We all know someone who's hurting. We all know someone who needs to hear about you. God, you paid the price for us, and you never expect repayment. And we know that at a human level, we always expect repayment, but you don't because that's your great love. And so, Father, I just thank you so much um, for what you're doing in our hearts. I pray that this week we will be bold, that we will be able to ask people to come to our church this Sunday. And so, Father, we just thank you for that great reminder because we never want to become exclusive. And so we thank you for your heartbeat towards us and this world. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Epic. My name is Carla. I'm going to be telling you a little bit about what's going on in Epic right now. Well, if you are new with us this morning, we are so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy service. On your way out, take a uh, stop by our Connection Center. We have a bit of information about who we are and why we're here, and we would love to meet you. We have two info meetings going on today. So if you have a student who's interested in going to summer camp with our student ministry surge, you're going to be meeting around this corner in the teacher lounge over here. And if you're interested in going to the Holy Land with the Israel trip, they're having their interest meeting um, right up here um, to my right at the front of the stage. Our small group environments are starting up again. So if you are new to Epic, we would love to invite you to join Starting Point. Starting Point is a 10-week conversational environment where you get to walk through the story of God in community. It's an awesome experience. If you've been through Starting Point and you're waiting to jump into a community group, we'd love to invite you to check out Next Step. It's a great opportunity for you to continue to grow spiritually in community. Um, we're having an intro meeting for both of those small group environments on April 12th. So if you can sign up in the back or online and let us know that you're interested in coming, that we'll have materials prepared for you. On April 12th, we are having our epic day at the park, and it's a great time just to hang out. So bring your friends, bring your food. We're going to be hanging out 5.30 p.m. at Wadsworth Park off of State Road 100. It's a great time. You don't want to miss it. Next week is Easter, and we're having a baptism, and I really can't imagine a better day to publicly proclaim your faith than on Easter. So if you have made, put your faith in Christ and haven't been baptized, you're going to want to sign up um, on Epic's uh, website, theepicchurch.com. You can either click on the banner or the sign-up tab and make that, that, uh, that choice to get baptized on Easter. And that is, again, next Sunday, 5.30 p.m. We meet at 16th Street North in Flagler Beach. So um, everyone's invited. Come check out um, what goes on and support people who are making that step. It's an awesome, awesome experience. On April 18th, we are having our 3G Saturday. We are going to gather, go, and give to show our community that we are for them. We have seven really exciting projects that you can participate in, from building a house to landscaping to serving children, um, and many more. 
Um, so there is actually a flyer on your seat. We need 130 um, people to serve. You can serve as a family or as individuals. So if you want more information, you can scan that QR code. I know it says click. That won't work so much right now. So scan that QR code. Or you can go to theepicchurch.com to get more information and to sign up. If you call Epic Home and you want to support what we do on Sunday mornings throughout the week and with events like 3G Saturday, you can do so today. Um, there are giving boxes behind each of the seating sections, or you can go online and give security, securely online through the epicchurch.com. Finally, as I mentioned, Easter is next week, and we want to make it easy for you to invite your friends. So there are cards on your seat that you can take home with you, hand it to a friend, family member, neighbor, coworker, person at Target, person at Publix, whoever you see that you think, hey, I'd love you to come and check out church. So do that. Um, we promise it's going to be an exciting and engaging environment. And to kind of give you an idea of what's coming up, check out this video. <laughs> 